Welcome to Fried, the ultimate guide to burnout podcast. If you've ever been burnt out because of your job, your relationship, or just your life, this is the place for you. We will talk all things burnout by sharing deep stories of personal transformation each week with a new guest who vows to share their stories without leaving out the scary bits. This is raw, honest, and brought to you by acupuncturist and burnout coach Kate Denovan, whose own experiences make her determined to change the current burnout culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fried, the ultimate guide to burnout podcast. Today, I'm talking to Ashling Fitzgibbon, who is a certified holistic nutritional practitioner. She runs an online holistic nutrition coaching practice and has a monthly membership called Energy is Your Currency. She holds a BA in early childhood studies and a first class degree in occupational therapy. Over the past decade, she studied holistic health and nutrition extensively and has also specialized in several energy medicine practices, for example, integrated energy therapy and the Belvaspada healing modality. She helps clients through the work of medical medium using plant-based nutrition to heal chronic illnesses such as fatigue, autoimmune diseases, liver health, hormonal issues, and digestive disorders, including Crohn's, colitis, and IBS. She is a speaker and an author. Her first book, Moving from Fear to Trust, is in the works, and by the time this podcast comes out, will hopefully be done, correct? Uh, totally. <laughs> Ashling, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Really happy so, to be talking about this. Yeah, so thrilled to hear your story. We've started every episode by asking the guests to share their story. So I'm going to give you the stage and mm -hmm. feel free to go as long as you need to go. We just want to listen. So, so Ashling, tell us what happened. Yeah, so um, it was back when I was only 19 years of age. And it was in the, in the summer between college or university. Um, and I was working as a waitress. I was working anyway, six days a week. And then I was doing lots of exercise. So I decided, you know, I wanted to get healthy. So I was like, I wasn't drinking with my friends. You know, I was like, I'm just going to dedicate my time to exercising and getting myself fit. So I was kind of going, I suppose, into like this kind of overdrive. I was doing so much. And then just a couple of weeks before I was due to go back to, you know, all of a sudden my whole system my whole body just crashed and I ended up just like staying in bed for like two weeks and I didn't want to get up and I was just like saying I wanted to be dead I didn't really feel there was anything like I just didn't see any future um and I just had no energy whatsoever so anyway I ended up then being brought to a doctor yeah so I was brought to a doctor at that point when I was feeling in my worst state and Initially, actually, I was prescribed by a, a, like a GP, um, an anti-epileptic drug. And I remember bringing it home to my mom and she was like, that doesn't really make any sense. So anyway, I was kind of like, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. So anyway, I ended up then going to an actual psychiatrist who again was like, yeah, you have depression. I was explaining how I felt. I was just feeling, you know, like completely wiped out. So he prescribed an antidepressant. So anyway, started taking different antidepressants some of them didn't work and then eventually got on one that kind of made me seem semi-okay so I went back to university then at that point 
and kind of just kept on doing the same type of thing you know like working really hard and not really taking care of my own self like I just was like I just need to get good grades and that was my only focus it was kind of like my body was like the afterthought um then I ended up going over so I studied in Cork UCC um Cork University and then I went to Manchester in the UK to do my training in occupational therapy and in the back of my own mind I was like I know there's something wrong with my system that I'm needing to take a medication to, to, to stay healthy and to stay functioning. And, you know, again, I was like over-exercising again. I was still like really pushing myself really hard to achieve. So I was never really giving myself any time to rest. So by the time I finished my degree, I was just like completely burnt out again, but even like on a more exhausted level this time. So I definitely was like, okay, this, I have to now, um, find the answer you know I was just feeling like again like I didn't feel the energy to apply for work yeah so all all of my friends were you know getting jobs and like you know getting their own new houses and everything so everyone was like moving on with their lives and I just felt like just so terrified because I was just like I don't even have the energy to even apply for a job I can't take another step forward until I actually sort out my own health so that was the moment where I decided that's it. I'm prioritizing my own health and I'll do whatever it takes to get better. That's really intense at a young age. Oh my gosh, it was so intense. And like at the time it was just like being in this dark void space that like I didn't feel like I had any, you know, um, roadmap, you know, like I was like, oh, I'm not sure. Like do, do people come out with this? Like, and then I was hearing like horror stories of, oh, some people never come out of it and they'll always be like this. And, you know, and I was just so frightened to think, you know, I was so vulnerable as well. Like I felt like, oh, I won't be able to be independent and I won't be able to, you know, uh, build the life that I wanted to build, you know, so that was just the most terrifying thing. And the only sort of diagnosis that you were given was depression. Mm-hmm. And other than that, they were saying, basically, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of, oh, you have depression. You know, it's like almost it's a serotonin imbalance type of thing. And, you know, and I suppose at that time, I didn't look into it any more than that. So I kind of took it at face value. But I, I think deep down, I was kind of like, that's not right either. Do you know, I kind of knew. Yeah, but how are you supposed to really know at the age of 20 that what the doctor's telling you is not true? Why would you quit? I mean, there's no reason for you at that point in your life to question that. Yeah, exactly. And at the time I was training like in the health profession, in the health right. world. So it was like I was I was training in hospitals. So I was meeting, you know, so you're in the hierarchy, I suppose, of like doctors. They they should know this, you know, and you, you go to them when you're feeling unwell and you, you trust what they say. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. So you said something that I have heard repeatedly through the interviews that at some point, there was not necessarily a suicide plan, but there was a desire to not exist anymore. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that was the first thing that I said when I first like had a collapse, which I call it now, I suppose I didn't really understand at the time, but I was just like, I just want to be dead. But yeah, I didn't want to be dead. Do you know what kind of way I didn't have, I still wanted to live, but I just felt like, yeah, there's no point to this existence. Like it's just nothing. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then felt very bleak and then what happened so then I was like okay we need to make a plan and I remember we went on holidays with my mom and I and her sister to Croatia and um things always happen on the full moons in our in our life on the full moon my mom was like I know who to take you to so anyway I ended up booking an appointment with a nutritionist who was actually um she practices in Devon uh, the south of England so anyway I booked an appointment we went to her in person and she just blew my mind open in that session was just like yeah you know this is what you can do and recover your adrenals recover your thyroid and you know these are all the different foods that you can have this is the supplements you can have like all these different recommendations you know for detoxifying my body helping me to recover my energy system and I was like okay but at the same time I was still terrified because I was like I don't know if any of this is going to work I have no idea I've no evidence I've no I don't I don't have anyone else to talk to about this so I was kind of just like blindly trusting it going this has to work you know as in I'm going to put everything into it and so I started you know I just came off medication and started doing all the, the diet work and that I suppose in a way I was kind of doing it at the time from a place of complete fear because I was just like I need to get out of where I'm where I am and I was like pressurizing myself to get better so I suppose I kind of almost delayed my recovery because I was so pressurizing myself I was like really hating myself to be you know really I was kind of sending a message of hatred to myself because I was like I don't accept myself for who I am and how I was feeling and it was like six months into my kind of recovery I still was feeling I wasn't feeling as bad but I was feeling like I'm still not there I'm still like I still don't feel the best in myself and I remember a conversation with my mom at the time she just said to me you're just gonna have to be completely unattached to the outcome of getting better and I was just like no that means I'm giving up but then after a while I kind of was like yeah it actually is very important that I, that I, I learn to accept myself where I am and to yeah just like really love myself in this moment and that was the hardest thing ever because my all my thought patterning at the time was just I don't want to be here I shouldn't be here I should be somewhere else I should be able to work full-time I'm worthless like what's the point of my life you know you know all those kind of thoughts were just going through my mind all the time because it's like our society only values us when we're doing and we're productive and then when you can't do that and you can't take part and you suppose you look perfect and you you know people are looking at you going what's what's the issue you're probably just making it up but it's like the hardest thing in the world to be in that in that space so um the hardest thing in the world to be in that space and to try and teach yourself acceptance because there's so much resistance to that even mm-hmm. I, I've known these things for years. I started in these studies when I was about 18 years old and I'm 37 this year. So mm-hmm. I've been doing this a long time and still right now, currently with my injury, it's not fast enough. I'm not better mm-hmm. fast enough. It's taking too long. It's too slow. Yeah. And I know these things that you're talking about now. And I know mm-hmm. that there's somebody out there listening saying, I will not accept where I am right now. I do not like this. This is not okay. Mm-hmm. And I 
I get it. Yeah. You know, I get it. Like you detaching yourself from the outcome is an absolute necessity in spiritual practices. It's hard to have that same spiritual practice attached to your health because why are we doing anything if it's not going, if, if we don't care what it does. I know, but I think there's like a subtle nuance within that, in that, which my mom at the time was explaining to me, she was like, it's not that you don't want to get better, but it's like, it's like you're blocking the energy from coming in when you're just gripping on to the outcome of getting better. Cause she was like, you're just like, you're not relaxing. And I think that's what really started to open me up then to studying things like energy work and like spiritual text and all of these other kind of practices. Cause I realized if I'm just approaching my physical problem from the physical level, you know, it's not enough because it's all these other aspects to me that I need to actually bring into this whole healing process. It has to be a holistic journey. So my kind of seeking for, for feeling better really led me to like the next um, understanding and teaching that then opened up a whole new understanding in my life. And it was like almost going through these rooms, you know, the first room was I, I walked into, which was the recovery from coming off antidepressants. And I call that like my initiation with my you know, the dark night of the soul and going into the complete darkness. And um, yeah, that just, I suppose that catalyzed this other journey that I never would have taken otherwise, you know, I would have always just stayed, okay, this is the physical world and that's it. I don't need to think of anything else. So yeah, like my, my own journey, all of my experiences, everything I've trained in has been, has been my own seeking to find the next thing. Um, and it's, and again, it's like all the the, lef- the lessons that I learned back then, even I've had to reapply, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, just last year, my own mom, um, she got sick in February and was in hospital in a medically induced coma for three months. And she ended up passing away on the 10th of May last year. Um, so that was like, again, another, it was a complete new journey for me to go through because, I was plummeted back into that like depths of depths of despair that I originally was back in like when I was 23 coming off antidepressant medication. But this time was completely different because I knew that I had the the tools and the kind of the way that I was able to guide myself out the last time that I was able to apply that this time to this experience. So even though like it hasn't made it any easier but this time I've been able, I've been able to not fight the situation and just like go with that. And obviously I've gotten lots of support to do that as well, not just doing it on my own, which is not possible. And I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. I think it's very important that you have someone else to hold that space for you. And, you know, when you, when you can't access that, when you just feel like, what is the point of what I'm going through? And that you have somebody that's a very safe person to hold that space for you. That for me has been really essential. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. So it feels like you had this initial thing at 19 where your body was saying the way that you're living now, not going to work girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And then you continued and it told you again around 23, like the way that you're working right now, girlfriend, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. You started this journey Mm -hmm. 
and you learned and you learned and you're pulling yourself out and things are changing and shifting and changing and shifting and changing and shifting. And then you get another blow. Yeah. So this is, how old are you now? Um, 32, 32 this year. Yeah. So we're talking about a 13 year span Mm -hmm. of like blow, blow, blow. Yeah. (laughs) Quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since it's like most commonly I have had a couple of conversations where people said their first burnout was around that time around the like age of 1920. Mm. But most of us, most people that I've talked to are having this experience once they get out into the quote unquote real world, they had some sort Mm -hmm. of plan. They went according to that plan. And then when they got to the other side, they were like, Oh, Mm -hmm. this isn't it. Yeah. You were forced to do it differently very young yeah completely and my life would look completely different if that hadn't happened and I think at the time I was like this is like I just felt it was the worst thing in the world but I always had this mantra that always came it was like this voice in my head that always said you're going through this for a reason Mm. and that that voice just always kept me going and it just led me to like withstand the times of real like the real hard times to just be like, this is going to eventually pass. You know, I'm going to eventually move through this. And I think because of the intensity of the, as you say, the blows that came towards me and came into my life, they've just opened me up further and further and further, which, you know, I would say my life is a spiritual journey that I'm on. And just, yeah, I was like, I was, I was forced off the track that I was on at a very young age um but I think if I didn't have that experience and had the ability to come through it I think I would have completely unraveled on all levels when my mom passed away last year do you know I was just like that prepared me to actually be able to like nurture myself mother myself call in all the support and do all the things that I need to do on a, on a physical level on a mental level on an emotional level on a spiritual level it's been like, um, it's just like a fast tracked journey. And the year before my mom passed away, which she passed away last year, 2018, we got our, our dog, Sophia. Our dog was given to us as a gift from my mom's sister. And my mom was like, oh no, she's for Ashling. And my, my mom's sister, Melissa was like, no, 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 it's meant to be for you as a present. And she said, no, this dog, Sophia is for Ashling. And anyway, that was fine. So this girl that I know, she's like an animal whisperer and she put up this, um, she was doing like a special around Christmas of 2017. And she said, Oh, if anyone has any animal, send in the picture and the first five people, whatever, they'll get a free animal reading. So anyway, I sent in a picture of my dog, Sophia, and she sent it back to me. And anyway, the whole reading was like how Sophia had come into my life as a guide and she was so much more than a dog that she was here to help me as I was about to make this massive evolutionary leap and that she was very strong and I was to call upon her strength even though she was a very small dog so anyway I read that at the time and I was like oh yeah that's funny but then like um as I progressed um, throughout last year with my mom and the whole experience it became very clear that like Sophia came into my life because this was all meant to happen. Um, 
And my mom and I were involved like campaign activists a good few years ago. So I was invited to speak at an event last November. And I was speaking and gave my, I told the story obviously about my mom towards the end. And the speaker afterward, after me, um, she's had a near-death experience when she was, what, 19? And she was basically saying to me, from the stage, she said, oh, yourself and Martha, which my mom's name is, came into, into life together to work together. And Martha brought you up to the point where she was meant to exit. That was her perfect time to leave. And she said, she is still working with you, but obviously from beyond the physical, not in the physical world. And when she said that to me, I was just like, oh my gosh, that makes complete sense. Like it was like all the kind of pieces started to fit together. Um, and I, this lady, her name is Mary Helen Hensley. She's um, a chiropractor and she's a published author as well. Um, so she's helping me with my book and she later let me know that, which just totally just kind of blew my mind open. She said, oh, you know, I was never planning to talk about you from my own, you know, on my own speech that I was sharing with the audience. She said, the only reason I said that was because your mom was there and that was the message that she wanted to give you. And I was just like, what? <laughs> what? I actually read I, the, yeah. the podcast um, show notes for the podcast that you did with Mary Helen. Yeah. And it's, I will put a link to this podcast in the show notes because, whoa. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so one of the things that you said earlier that I want to bring back around because I think that it's a super important point is that with time, one of the Mm -hmm. things that you learned to do was to be more at ease when you're in difficulty. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I talk about with clients and patients often is when you're in a period of growth or difficulty or change, your job is to become comfortable with discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like a similar thing, but when you said that earlier, use the word easier, and I have it written on a page with a sun drawn around it, because when you said it, mm. even something in my body let go. So yeah. there's something about this ease that is mindset but there's also something physical about it. How do you feel that acceptance and that ease? How do you feel that in, in your body? And is there a way that you practice it in order to access it? If it's, you know, because so, oh, like everything else, everything is a practice. Some days it's easier than others. Nice. You know? In the, in the, oh yeah. Sorry. You went out there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. of course. So it is easier sometimes than others. And so if you're unable to find that ease, are there practices that you use to, to get there? Practices that you get used to get there. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is to um, realize, I suppose, that everything is happening in the moment. And it's like when you're able to surrender to this moment, instead of, instead of being stuck in it, that you're able to move through it. So even if that timing isn't as quick as you imagine, but like that ability to deeply accept it 
helps you to not contract. That's why I call what I'm working on at the moment, the book Moving from Fear to Trust. It's like instead of being in the contraction of fear that you're able to surrender into trust so that your body can let go and can expand. And that allows, you know, that's that's conducive to healing and the ability to not not fight where you are. Because it's like when you fight it, it's it's you get stuck into it. Um you use two words that I love using in these situations. Yeah. Contraction and expansion. Yeah. They're they're the kind of when you when you think of it like that, because it's like you can think, you know, you can clench your fist and it's contracting in. And you think if you're if you're doing that to your body, then that's that's the most unhelpful thing that you can be doing in a situation of panic or discomfort or pain or whatever is really hard that you're going through. And it's like, so you can actually make it easier by expanding and, and relaxing into it and, and letting your body to come out of that fight or flight. Um, and so a practice that I recommend is finding lots of ways to do that, whether that's from your mindset, whether that's from like for me as a nutritionist, um, the past year that's why I've gone completely into the medical medium w- world and, and practice um using all this now with my clients but finding foods in particular things like celery juice which actually help to repair the adrenal glands from from fight or flight and that in in turn helps then your body to reduce that cortisol um production that's keeping you in that heightened state that you are not able to relax and you're not able to surrender because your actual physical body is panicking because it's like it's been over over stimulated and the the glands that actually hold you know the energy the energy um, life force are, are being compromised and so when you start to regenerate them that in turn sends that message of calm and um you know the ability to just feel well in yourself, even if you're feeling it's it's the hardest challenge ever. You know those foods actually send that message to your body. So for me, that's been a very deep exploration of finding things to support myself to expand and to feel that trust. Because I know that if I went the other way, and for example, was you know abusing alcohol or even taking caffeine, any of those things would absolutely send me into a tailspin. Um, So all of my practices are all designed around um, being able to support my body. And that's what I'm I'm sharing. And, you know, anyone who's listening to that, that's what I recommend. Just, just finding, finding those very simple things that you can start to do. And you don't have to do it all at once. It's just starting one small thing and just getting it going, but moving yourself in that direction. Yeah. I will say that um, I'm, I'm not, I understand that it works for people and I'm happy for that. I'm not a huge medical medium fan myself yeah. um, because I have treated so many people that have destroyed their like intestinal intestines and have lots of digestive issues because they are drinking celery juice too long and they're doing things. So there's, I've just, I've, I've seen everything that we know that can be helpful mm-hmm no matter what it is, can be taken too far. Oh, totally. Yeah, the extremes of anything. Yeah, so I, and I, I feel like the, 
the messaging around those things has been such that people are like, well, this is how I'm going to start my day and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. And it's like, well, you might need a little bit of a cleanse and any sort of green juice in the morning is going to help you cleanse in that way. But having one thing every day, long term, eh, I haven't seen it be. I see people be really excited about it after the first two weeks. And then I see people coming in saying, well, this is not working anymore. This is not working anymore. This is not working anymore. And I'm like, but what about, how about you slow down on the celery juice? But they get so attached to it because it's such a, it's a simple solution. Mm -hmm. It's an easy thing to do to make celery juice in the morning, you know? Yeah. Um, So people get really attached to it and people get really attached to his messaging as well and, and take everything as, as Bible. Um, and I don't, I don't really take anything as Bible. No, you have to, you have to run everything through your own body. I mean, yeah. At one yeah. at one stage, you know, I wouldn't have been able to, and that's it. Like you have to tune into like what stage you're at. Like some people are very suited to having plant based foods, yeah. and then others actually need to have meat and have to need, you know, need to have denser foods. It's like you're at different stages, and you just have to be very mindful of like. There is no outside guru. It's like you have to run it always through your own your own body, and all these things are tools. And sometimes the tools work for for you for a period of time. It's like sometimes people need to take an antidepressant because that's where they are. They're not in a they're they're not in a space where they can do all the stuff, you know. And so everything is valid. Everything has its time, um, and it's just always kind of coming home to our own self, isn't it? And instead of um, just like again, said, it's like outside guru. Yeah. I think that, and I think that's my biggest bone to pick with, with the medical medium. Mm-hmm. I've read his books. I get it. Yeah. So much um, of this is the correct answer. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think that way, you're wrong. Oh, I know. And that's very dangerous. And I think, um, I mean, all of these things are, 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 I suppose, training wheels for a certain period of time, but it's like you can't put everything into somebody else's hands. You yeah. have to always bring it back to your own self. And I think that's where my journey has always been to right. bring you back home to your own self. And that's my own experience of what I'm doing in my own life. Um, and so it's like what you think today is a truth, tomorrow might not be. So it's like always be open to shedding your belief systems because they are the things that you know when you hold yourself in like what you're saying like people get obsessed oh no I have to do it like this every morning and if I don't everything will fall apart and it's like in a way that's like trying to hold you yourself in this in this kind of that's small container right yeah yeah it is yeah and it's and that's very fear inducing and um yeah it's just not 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 uh, life affirming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, putting, like yeah. Having the outside guru, guru and having the trust outside of your own body. Mm. That's is, massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fearful place to be. Even saying it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I think this is so. I've, I've, um, when I first started Chinese medicine school, everyone goes through that phase, right, where you have the neophyte. You have the neophyte phase. Like this is the solution to everything. Yeah. And, and of course it's not, it's, it can help massive amounts of things in ways that are unbelievable. 
And at the same time, you know, nutrition is important. And sometimes you need an antidepressant and sometimes you need an anti-anxiety. And sometimes I just had surgery, you know, I, yeah, I have rehabbed my ankle to a certain degree. Yeah, probably. Is it going to be, would it have been as good as it's going to be after I rehab after surgery? Science says no. Mm. And yeah. I didn't feel like it was the right thing to do to avoid the surgery. So, and I've, I've changed my mind so many times. And I think this is part of me. You know, I grew up in an hour south of Boston. I went to school in California. I mm. lived in Buenos Aires for some time. I lived in Warsaw for six years. I lived in Prague for six years. And all this moving around and all of these healing modalities and all of these things that I've learned through the years of really being on the fringe, Chinese medicine, mm -hmm. spirituality, you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff that's a little bit weird for most people mm -hmm. has taught me that most of the world is gray. Yeah. There's not a lot of black and white. Yeah, totally. And one person's truth is another person's, you know, you know, fallacy or it's um yeah it's like yeah I mean I'm I'm always been I'm taught that it's like you have to be you're always humble to the lessons as they come because um whenever you kind of claim anything to be this is an absolute truth and it will be forevermore life will have a very funny way of um showing you the other side of the story <laughs> proving you're wrong yeah well and this yeah. is why I, I really am attracted to the things that you said around ease and acceptance, because mm -hmm. I believe that that sort of shift between contraction and expansion is the same shift as between fear and love, or you're saying from your, your book, from fear to trust, right? Fear to mm -hmm. trust. And I think that contraction and expansion, I think that's a universal truth. Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's a lot of them. I really, really do not believe in a lot of universal truths, but I believe that is one of them. When you're in yeah. contraction, mm. things are more difficult. Yeah. When you're in expansion, things are easier. Absolutely. E easy to say, but to practice easy them. Say, then, easy right. to say, easy to <laughs> say, but then right. to practice them is another thing. But it's like, I think I learned that like even when I went to the hospital recently when I fractured my foot and I was in the hospital and I was crying mm -hmm. and my fiance's touring in Europe. So I was calling him going, this is terrible. You're in Germany and I'm here and I'm in hospital and, you know, feeling really sorry for myself. But then he was just like, kind of, kind of snapped me out of it. And I was just like, you know what? This is where I am. I've fractured yeah. my foot. Here I am in hospital. And why don't I just take out my journal and write to myself? You know, and instead of yeah. instead of instead of spinning myself into the ground, because I've done that so many times, I was like, you know what happens when you do that? Like, let's just make this as easy and as pleasant as we can. And yeah, it is sore, but we'll get through it. And that different mindset, yeah, has has helped me so much. Not to say that I haven't had my moments of you know getting deeply frustrated and crying and saying this is so hard, but by and large, like ninety percent of the time, I've been like, yeah, just just this is where you are and just go with us, just surrender to this and make the most out of this time because, yeah. you know, otherwise you'll, you'll regret it. Like saying, yeah, it's just like, how can you, how can you just fully experience this? Yeah. Yeah. Even if the full experience of it is the frustration and yeah. being upset. Yeah. All of us. 
because I believe that also part of contraction is avoiding the emotions that we label as uncomfortable or negative. Yeah, totally. And this is something that I was, I was actually um, talking about last night, you know, for the full moon. And I was just saying, you know, life is full of these experiences. So it's like you have beautiful, happy experiences, but you also have deeply dramatic and uncomfortable and hard experiences. And they're both as equally valuable to your life as the good, you know. So I think when you're in spirituality and you start to open up to that, for me anyway, I was very kind of naive and thinking, oh, if I if I apply this properly, I'll have the best life ever and I'll never have hard things happen to me ever again. And I'll be happy and joyous all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> that's just that's just not how it works. But at the same time, I do see the importance of having a practice, a spiritual practice or whatever. You know, that's a changing thing for everyone. But um what I feel now is like in the times when it's good, really build up your inner reserve, really build up your pleasure, your joy, your fun, all those things that just elevate you. And so when the bad times happen, that you have something to draw from, you know, you have this cup to draw from so that you're not like emptied out by it. Yeah. And this is a really tricky thing because often people are afraid of enjoying their fear because they think that it's going to disappear. Right. Yeah. People are afraid of that. I've had this conversation so many times through the years. I'm like, no, no, no. When it's good, it's it's going to change. Let me just tell you right now, if you're in yeah. the best moment of your life, it's going to get worse at some point. Not, not, I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying that it's going to get worse at some point. So while you're in this joyous place, soak it yeah. up. Soak it up. Yeah. Soak it up. Yeah, totally. Completely. And that, and that's the thing. And that's, that's the thing that keeps you buoyant within, within the experience. Cause I even know, like when my mom was in hospital, it was like all the stuff that I've been doing, all the stuff that I've been practicing at times kind of thinking like, where is this even going? <laughs> you know, like, why am I doing all this? And then it was last year that made me realize this is why you have to practice. This is why you, you build yourself up and you, you're, you're in this discipline with yourself all the time. It's so that you don't sink when these things happen, that you can keep going. Um, and that really, you know, I, I suppose everyone that was around me and, and knew that I had a previous experience of having depression, you know, I think people kind of go, oh, they think that you have some kind of weakness or something when you have that experience. And I think a lot of people were surprised how well I've managed the past year, you know, with my mom yeah. passing and the whole experience. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's not like by, by accident or default, it's because I've staged you know, on, on a very, um, committed, like discipline, a different practice with myself, um, just to keep moving. Like I go to yoga, I, I, I'm finding ways to always move this, um, heavy energy through my body. And that hasn't been able to happen recently in the past few weeks, but I've found other outlets. Um, and I think finding a creative practice when you're in a really hard time is one of the most helpful things. Thus the birth of this podcast. Yeah, 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 exactly. So so it's amazing. This is a a word that I coined that I use a lot that I really, really Mm. love. When you are using your good times to build you up, you create Mm. what I call the bounce back ability factor. Yeah. When something tough happens, you have the ability to bounce back. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a few bounces. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes you land on sort of a trampoline and you're like, okay, I'm done bouncing now. <laughs> but yeah. it, can, and it can take a minute, but the, the more you use your practices in the good times, mm-hmm. the easier it is to continue them and lean on them in the bad times. Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. But even finding like the good times, even in the bad times, you know, like just I'm a proponent of that only after you've allowed yourself to sit in it for a minute. Like oh, allow yeah. yourself the benefit of feeling the emotions that you're meant to feel. Because I think when people hear things like this, mm. they think that they should be able to, you know, break their foot and feel really great about it two hours later. It <laughs> might yeah. not be that way. And, and I think we skim yeah. over that quite a bit. And I think it leads people to... This, this term is not my term. It was coined in, I think, the early 70s, spiritual bypassing, where yeah. you think that you should be in a better place, so you force your feelings to be somewhere where they aren't currently because you're trying to find the good. I believe mm-hmm. in finding the good once it naturally starts sort of peeking its head out. Yeah. And when you practice on a regular basis, I feel like it starts to peek its head out earlier mm-hmm. than if you don't. totally you know but yeah I had when I when I ruptured my Achilles I had three days Mm -hmm. that I was like pretty destroyed yeah and my mood throughout the whole process has been up and down Mm -hmm. well totally I remember having like even when I went into the hospital because the last time I was there it was like my mom the last time I spoke I saw my mom like she had a um a grand mal seizure in that accident emergency that I was being brought into mm-hmm. so I went in and I was being assessed by the nurse and I just burst out crying and I was like the last time I was here my mom basically died you know like here but she didn't she was in a, in a coma for 12 weeks but I just said to her oh you know I just need to say this yet it just burst out of me and then I had an, another outburst so yeah I, I totally agree with what you're saying and really stressing that point to people that you really need to feel the anguish the just the despair you know, cry your tears, you know, whoever, whoever your, you know, your special person is that you can have those real like meltdowns with my yeah. fiance, Richie, he's like, has on the phone to him. I just in, in sobs of tears, just going, Oh my gosh, you know, all my plans, everything I was doing this month. And, you know, I had to mourn the things that I was actually doing as well. Yes. I was like, yes. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this opportunity, this is gone. And this opportunity, this is gone. And I had, you know, I, I was traveling for work and that had to go. And then I was like, Oh, what about money? And all those things, I just had to move through all of them. And I think, so what you're saying, you have to move through all those things and allow the, allow yourself to fully feel them till you can actually just come into the other place of, Oh, I accept it now. Oh yeah. Maybe what can I do? Yeah, I think without doing that, yeah, you're just, you are spiritually bypassing and you're just fooling yourself and then you're just like... Um, It'll come out at some point. Yeah, you're suppressing it. It'll come out in a mad way later on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I have, And I say that from experience and with love. Oh, totally. <laughs> I yes, have made totally. that mistake multiple mm-hmm. times and I'm sure that I will make it in the future. I'm sure that what you just said is really important is when something traumatic happens, one big major change happens, Mm -hmm. there should be a period of mourning and grief, not just for people, Mm. but for that opportunity that you now cannot take advantage of and that meeting that you're now not going to be able to go to and that vacation that you now have to cancel because blah, blah, blah. 
These are things that you accept because they are part of the scenario, but they Mm -hmm. should be grieved. They are losses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It might end up being a very good idea that they were losses later on, but you don't know that until two years later until, you know, until you get, you're like, Oh my God, can you imagine if I had done that thing and it wouldn't have worked out and blah, blah, blah. But we don't know that today. We don't know that today. Yeah, exactly. And we can't, we, you can't force insight before it's ready to come either. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's just, um, but it's even like what you're saying that that very, you know, very important lesson of like, am I contracting here? Or am I expanding? But like what you're saying, expansion doesn't always mean, and trusting doesn't always mean that the thing that you, oh, there's loads of things happening in the background. Yeah. yeah there's um, an ambulance that went by. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that, that kind of ties into what I'm saying. But like trust, tr- <laughs> trusting doesn't always mean that it's going to be amazing. Right. You know, like trusting is actually what you're saying. Like even I bring myself back to the time where I was in the hospital and the doctors were there. My family, all my family were there. And they were saying, you know, we have to take your mom off life support machine. There's no more we can do. And I was I was being helped by one of my friends who is, um, you know, she does a lot of spiritual um, mentoring and coaching. And she was kind of just bringing me through the process of trusting and letting go of my mom in her physical body and trusting that this is this is actually part of her journey. And so for me to expand and trust in that situation wasn't that I got my mom back. I had to see her leave her body I, I, got, I had to see her her heartbeat stop her lungs stop breathing you know I had to see all that I had to let I was lying on the bed with her as her heart stopped beating I felt that in my in my hand and you know that shock of like oh my god where have you gone but it was like trusting that this was part of her experience but still feeling absolute upset absolute oh my gosh what is going to happen to everything you know my the fabric of my life has been completely torn apart here like still expanding into it and uh, you know allowing that experience yeah so hard yeah it was so hard but so I think when I would wake up in the morning and I would be like no you know I would just be fighting it fighting it and I you know I think you have to go through that that's absolutely natural but as long as I brought myself into the space of this is this is all what was meant to happen this was all part of our experience together and you know my mom gave me that message when she was in hospital before one of the last things she said was I'm an eternal being and that's something that I'm always always like it's always in my practice of like just trusting her in what she said to me at that time so yeah so I think that's just very important to say that to people that trusting isn't always about like you get the thing that you want you know that's the thing like it's just trusting that it's like this you know your life is unfolding in a way that you have no idea sometimes why things are happening in the moment maybe down the line it will all make sense and it will kind of start to the pieces will start to come together but at the time you just have to just go through the experience in whatever way you can yeah and not trusting that the outside things that are happening in your life are the things that are controlling how your life is. So we go mm-hmm. back to what we were saying earlier, the, the outside guru. When, yeah. you, when you trust your own ability to function within the confines of your life, whatever they mm-hmm. happen to be, mm-hmm. then that trust never goes away because it's yeah. not based on what's happening out there. That's it. Yeah. That's it in a nutshell. And I, I love that because that always brings you back home to yourself so that you're not 
needing things to have to be a certain way all the time or needing everything to be perfect in order to feel that way. Yeah. And I, so I, I think this is a, a perfect segue moment. Um, we are close to the end, but I would like for you to tell us about your book. Yeah. So the book is called Moving from Fear to Trust and I'm co-writing it with my mom. So that might seem a bit strange, but life is strange. And <laughs> so, um, and this all started because I met Mary Helen Hensley, who has, yeah, ma- many gifts, but one of her gifts is that she can receive messages from people who are not in the physical world. And um, she kind of just, she just planted the seed back in November. Uh, and then I just started just putting things together with the book. So basically it's, it's our story, like our experience are from even the beginning, like when I was born and just all the different key moments, obviously not all the details because that would be too much, but it's like the key moments that have shaped who I am and who my mom is and who she was as the personality that she was at Martha. Um, so just kind of bringing everyone through our evolutionary journey, like um, that leap that I took, you know, um, firstly getting sick and kind of go- going into activism and then all the lessons that we learned through that, that experience. And then ultimately then bringing, bringing people to the point where my mom like passed away and then this journey that we're on right now oh sorry this journey that we're on right now and what she's teaching me from beyond the physical world Um, and so the whole kind of thread of the book the whole message is like moving from fear to trust and it's just the stories of my life and her life demonstrating how we've actually done that in in our unique way and hopefully that that will inspire others to be able to apply that to their own life in their own unique way as well. I love that so much. And I will be so excited to share it with everyone when it is released. Um, so please do keep, keep me posted on that. I will. Absolutely. Very healing to do it because it's, um, yeah, it's just like a very integrating process. I find so it's very, very nourishing. Yeah. That's, and it's a beautiful project. Yeah. And it's a beautiful project. Ashling, thank you so much for your time and for being here today. Not everybody knows this because I will edit out a hard mishaps, but we had quite a bit of internet trouble today. And Ashling's patience with that and her ability to find the thread of her story again and continue on with it has been magical to me. So thank you so much for taking the time and for being patient and for sharing the, the depths of your story with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Caitlin. And it's been an absolute pleasure. And your interview style is absolutely riveting. I have just learned so much um, in this very short space of time with you. So it has been such an honor to spend time with you on this podcast. I love it and I can't wait to share it. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Okay, everybody, that wraps up another week of Fried the Burnout podcast. Please do subscribe, rate us, let us know how we're doing so that we can consistently give you everything that it is that you need to find your way out of burnout. Until next time. (laughs) 